the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. Tonight we start a new series of studies on our church's vision. The main reading is taken from Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to 27. I looked at a bit of intercession last week and I was just thinking um, about what we want to be and what we are as a church and our vision. We, we put on paper many, many years ago now. And um, the real key and the foundation uh, and the acrostic, we'll look at that as we go along, is that um, the Lord wants us to be out of prayer. Um, you know why? Because the Lord wanted it right back there. That's his heart. Um, for us to be a place where it, we can meet with the Lord God is, is, is meet. Not just the temple. He, he didn't want it just to be a temple. The temple is where you go uh, occasionally. Isn't it? A house is where you, you have intimacy. You, have, you stay. And he wanted it to be a house. He wanted people to come. And uh, we'll see how, how uh, aggressive and angry he got. Aggressive and angry. Um, although we said on, on Sunday it, was, it could have even been a prophetic um, uh, when he went in, into the, because the Bible doesn't actually say in this particular instance that he was angry. Of course, he did get angry. Do you remember he got angry with the Pharisees and he got, um, he got angry with his disciples? But uh, when, we, when we read around this, we can see he's angry, but it's also a prophetic statement when he's going through the temple, isn't he? Saying, look, this is, I'm going to clean this place up, but also these sacrifices one day will be null and void. There won't be any need for them because I'm here. The, the, you know the, the living sacrifice but as we we looked at just a few weeks ago when when the lord saw uh, that the people there were two things he asked us to do and let's just read those two things that he asked us to do as a people of god uh, matthew 9 verse 36 38 but when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion yeah, them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly, sorry, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to his harvest. Two things, he says. When he looked out, he was moved with compassion. He said, two things you must do. Beseech the Lord, pray and Get out, serve. Pray the Lord will send laborers out. So we need, uh, that's our first protocol is to get uh, to know him. Because when we know him, we can show him. And, um, and as I was watching, we were there on Sunday, and uh, a lot of things moved me on Sunday. And, but as I was thinking, you know, as I was watching that, and I was thinking, Lord, we need, you know, we've got to help and uh, we serve but you know the dimension of the supernatural. One thing that we as a church we want to be, uh, we will use the word Pentecostal, which really means spirit-filled, isn't it? Uh, and we really need that dimension. I, th- I, I looked at that uh, particular one school and saw all those disabled kids, and I thought, Lord, where's the healing touch? We need to go through there and touch, you know, and see the power of God. And you know, the God want God isn't changed, is He? You know, we need to see that in our last days more than ever before. Um, you know, and uh, so that's that's a pray and serve. So the Lord came, and and Jesus, uh, as we said, he he looked over. Uh, we read the it's Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke. John slightly different uh, uh, interpretation on this, but uh, Mark said he, he he the night before he, he looked over the the, uh, the temple. Um, Luke says he looked over the city the night uh, the day before or the same day, and he wept. 
And uh, sometimes we see Jesus and we see him causing the word is catastrophe. Uh, he, he causes mayhem in the temple. He, you know, he doesn't come in and say, oh boys, have a whiff you now. No, no, no. He's going in there and the, things are flying. He's kicking it over. He's stopping people. He's, don't you dare come in here. And he, he, he's, he's because he's already wept over the place. And uh, so you remember we talked about being angry. The Lord's angry. But remember he was grieved as well. That combination, because sometimes we can get angry, can't we? Um, <laughs> and uh, it is not always tinged with righteousness, or it's, it's my anger, and uh, it, it's, it's grieved over the situation. And uh, we see when when prayer is missing, that whole es- that whole essence of prayer, which means worship, intimacy, relationship, communion with God, sacrifice, thanks, even all those kind of things. We said last week what happens: the worship becomes diluted. It becomes distorted, and we eventually depart from the actual meaning. And they departed from where they were. And and I, I'm just remember, Jesus had been coming there for 33 years, didn't he? Um, every year he, he went, and I wonder if he saw the deterioration. Because remember, when he was 12, he was there, and and he was talking with them, wouldn't he? Yeah. And the mum and dad had gone, and mum thought he was with dad, and dad thought he was with mum, and there was a bit of a Ding dong, and um, uh, but they were there ministering and, and, and talking over. But here he is, thirty three, and and he sees it now as a thoroughfare, as a shortcut where they are doing business. They shouldn't be doing business in in the temple, and there was filth everywhere. What do animals do? You know, it was just absolutely where we should have been holiness and purity. You know, it was filth and greed, and they were ripping off the poorest because we were talking about the doves, and thus the doves were the ones who the poor people bought. If you were rich, you bought something uh, a bit more uh, glamorous, like a, a lamb or something. So they were ripping people off. Uh, and when we, Jesus comes and comes and, and he says, I want to make this place a house of prayer for all the nations. All the nations. There is no one outside uh, the, the, uh, the gamut and the limit of the gospel. Let's read just a couple of verses there. Uh, Romans 10, 9 to 3. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all richly blessings, all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved you see the Lord didn't want that to be a place just for Jews did he he wanted to be the Bible says for the whole the whole nation we look at the the prophetic words that he he picked up from the Old Testament to apply because obviously the Pharisees would have been there ready to point the finger but every time Jesus argued with them every time Jesus did something he based it on the word Mm. he based it on the word of God and that came but it's for all nations for everybody and that's good news isn't it for us because um, if it it was on benefit or uh, goodness or merit then we'd be in trouble. Yeah. We'd be in trouble. But it's for all nations. What about these verses? 1 Timothy 2. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. 
For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and women and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's God's heart, isn't it? All of it. You see, it, it, it didn't want it to be a temple with, with uh, walls and limits. He wants it to be a house where people can come in and be intimate with him. Why? Because we were created for that. We were created for that. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't, and we just said, we, he doesn't want us to be a distant relative. He wants to be a, a, compa- a constant friend, our best friend, that we can know him, talk to him, pour our hearts out to him. And you know what? Um, uh, one man said, men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. Helpless against our prayers. J.C. Ryle, a great bishop, said, it is a great lesson when you've learned that saying prayers is not actually praying. Ah, yeah? Because we can say prayers, can't we? But that's not actually praying. And all that we know, know, again, our heartbeat of God, order, knowing, house of prayer for the nations where people come in and they know they're going to meet with God. They know they're going to have an encounter with him. Jesus came into the temple and uh, he began to take all of God's word and apply it. Uh, Isaiah 56, through 3 to 7. Neither let the son of a stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuch that kept my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them I will give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants, every one that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and taketh hold of my covenant. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted unto mine altar, for mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. There we are. So the Lord is taking hold of God's word, and he's saying, this is what I desire. Even the foreigner, even the foreigner and the eunuch, which they looked down at, when they are bound to me, when they put their lives in me, what did he say? When they serve me, when they worship me, when they love my name, when they love my covenant, when he's talking about the Sabbath, he's talking about being in covenant with the Lord. They worship and they serve unto me. He said, listen to this now. I will bring them to my holy mountain. They will be joyful in my house. And their sacrifices will be pleasing to me in my house of prayer. So he said, look, even those, those ones we look down on, you see, they are allowed if they come to me. House of prayer. It's a place where we meet with the Lord. Uh, but as we look in a moment, we don't say that when, we, when, when there's a house of prayer, there's no dilution, there's no departure, there's no distortion. There's a really, there's a purifying. We'll just come to that in a minute. Um, Jeremiah 7, 3 to 11. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. 
if you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the alien, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own, to your own arm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land. I give to your forefathers forever and ever, but look, you are trusting deceptive words that are worthless. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods? Mm -hmm. You have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, mm -hmm. which bears my name, and say, we are safe. Mm -hmm. Safe to do all these detestable things. Mm -hmm. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? Mm -hmm. But I have been watching, declares the Lord. Mm -hmm. So they knew, they knew exactly what he was challenging them with, wouldn't he? He's, the word from Jeremiah, he picks it up and he, he applies it to those Pharisees. He applies it to what's going on. He said, look, you are, you're relying on religion, relying on the superficial. He said, but you know what? The superficial means nothing because your heart is not right. He said, oh, the temple, the temple. You, they're coming into the temple, yet they're doing all those things. He lists them all, which were just abhorrent in the eyes of the Lord. He said, you, you're idolatrous. You, you're living as you want. You're doing as you want. It's religion. It's, it's worthless. He said, you made it a den of robbers. And that's what happens, you see, when the house of prayer is departed from, it becomes secular and sensual. And what happens then, instead of coming and receiving, it, it, it rips us off. Because the devil loves that. He wants us to depart and, do, and things to be distorted. So instead of receiving, he, it becomes a den of thieves. It becomes a place where we actually don't actually receive anything. It, it, it's taken from us. Um, John 10, 10. As he comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I came to give life, life to this full and good. See, that's the enemy, isn't it? He wants to steal and to kill and destroy. That's his way. And you know what? Uh, so often we can see those things, you know, those grave sins in front of us. We think, oh, that is terrible, isn't it? But don't be, be careful. What is, what is Solomon said? Be careful of the little foxes. The little foxes. The things that just drift us away from actually our core and our foundation. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Oh, yes, we, we want. And of course, as I, I, I mentioned last week, um, we must be careful it doesn't become a show or, you know, we do our best in everything. We, we, but at the end of the day, our best, uh, without the untouch of God, is entertainment. Mm. Or maybe not that good entertainment sometimes. <laughs> but that's not what we're here for, is it? We're here to worship, we're here to encounter the Lord, we're here to receive Him, and it starts off with the house of prayer. Uh, but, you know, when, when the house of prayer is intact, in when it's there, when we're open to God, let me tell you, there's a purifying, the purifying when Jesus comes and he, he tries to restore the house of prayer, the first thing he does is clean the temple, clean the temple. And if you read the Old Testament, there were, there were generally three things that fouled up the temple, fouled up the temple. Uh, the first one, obviously, the obvious one is idols, mm -hmm. where they took something that wasn't God and put it in God's place. And, uh, you know, we, we would say, well, we don't do that now. But, of course, anything that takes God's place is an idol. Whether it's a, 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 a person, whether it's, it's an asset, whether it's money, yeah, lots of things, you know, di distract us. An idol, an idol. And uh, the Lord says, no, 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 it's got to go. Uh, Jeremiah 7, verse 30. 
The people of Judah have done evil in my eyes, declares the Lord. They have set up their detestable idols in the house that bears my name and have defiled it. Uh, and you know what? Right down through Jewish history, you see it. That's, that's, that's a scripture from Jeremiah. You can look back in, in uh, Manasseh's time. You can look back a bit further down. And every time they would put something up, instead, go back, right back when they would come out of Israel. And uh, Aaron, what did he do? He said, gather all your, your, your jewellery and let's put it in. And uh, he, he cast bull, <coughs> Taurus, uh, which was what they worshipped in Egypt. I mean, how, dre- how dreadful can you get? He said, this is your God. And when Moses challenged him, what did he say? Oh, he said, ah, yeah, they pressurised me. And he said, it's amazing. He said, we threw it in. Out came this bull, he said. You read it. He, had, he, he took no blame at all. He said, out came, oh yeah, that's a, that's a clever furnace. And out came this bull. He, no, he didn't take, see, we always put something instead of God. Why? Why? Because then we can mould it into our, our ways. But it was an idol. It was an idol. And right back then, right in Ezekiel, he said, look, when the idols come, the glory of the Lord leaves. Get rid of those things which come between us and God. Whatever it is, whatever claims that which belongs to God, loyalty, worship, lifetime, anything, say, Lord, challenge me. Challenge me. It's got to go. Next thing that would defile the purity of the temple were foreigners foreigners because the temple had very strict rules about people coming in and um, uh, we, we could just read that Ezekiel 44 say to the rebellious house of Israel this is what the sovereign Lord says enough of your detestable practices O house of Israel in addition to all your other detestable practices you brought foreigners and circumcised in heart and flesh into my sanctuary, desecrating my temple while you offered me food, fat, and blood. And you you broke my covenant. Instead of carrying out your duty in regard to my holy things, you put others in charge of my sanctuary. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. No foreigner uncircumcised in heart and flesh is to enter my sanctuary, not even the foreigners who live among the Israelites. The Levites who went far from me when Israel went astray and who wandered from me after their idols must bear the consequences of their sin. They allow foreigners to do the work that they should do. See, be careful that you don't fulfill. You must fulfill your purpose. And so often we, we can allow maybe someone else to do what God has called us to do. And that's not what he said. He said foreigners. I love Nehemiah because Nehemiah um, was heart was towards God. But he didn't mess around, did he? <laughs> I, I, if you ever read it, I, I, I always chuckle when I read the word of God. Because right in the last verse he said he grabbed hold of some and he gave them a good hiding. Yeah, if you read it, he grabbed hold of some because they weren't listening to the word of the Lord. And uh, we don't do that now, of course, although like, sometimes we would like to, I'm sure. Um, but here he is now. Um, he's, he's, he's gone back, he's, he's gone back to uh, his job and he's then come back to Israel. And um, he, he's looking around the temple and the temple has, has stopped running as it should. And Tobiah, the Ammonite, who initially was the enemy of building, the Bible said because he was a, a relative, they'd give him a room in the temple to keep his, his stuff. And uh, Nehemiah said, what's happening here? 
He said, well, it's Tobias stuff. He said, what? Now, me and you would have said, we'd have gone to Tobias and said, Tobias, you know, this isn't on. Can you actually move your stuff? We'll give you a week's notice. No, no, no. Nehemiah said, right, get that stuff and check it out. He gets it and he throws it out. He, no matter anything that is foreign to the God's word in our life cannot be played with. What did the Lord said? If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your right eye... You, see, why? Because he understands that, that sin pollutes. And he, it's, it's powerful. It's pow- we say, oh, don't like it. I'll say sorry. No, let me tell you. You can say sorry and the grace of the Lord will come. But let me tell you, it's, it's, it's tentacles will go into you and it's difficult to get shift some things. You talk to people who have habits and, you know, smoking and all those kind of things. It's difficult, you know. They start when they're young and they've got a job to shift it. Why? Because it, it's tentacles. exactly the same with sin. It gets into us. So he's saying anything that's foreign, don't play with it. It shouldn't be there. Get it out. And uh, to throw out, throw it out. Anything that's foreign in our lives, in our pastimes, again, uh, the power of what we read, watch, listen to, powerful, that goes in, changes our thinking, warps our thinking. It's amazing how um, in one generation, uh, value systems have changed. Let me tell you how they do it. They use the media. Uh, people say, oh, advertising isn't, isn't effective. Yeah, it, if it wasn't effective, they wouldn't spend billions of, billions of pounds every year actually advertising their product, would they? No, if it wasn't, if it wasn't effective. I always remember someone saying um, many years ago, he said, from 19, in the 1950s to the mid-1980s, uh, children's crime, I think it, was, it went up 10,000%. It went up 10,000%. And he said, let me tell you what the common denominator there was TV, wasn't it? Mid-50s, how many had TV? <laughs> Hardly anybody. 1980s, staple diet, wasn't it? Now, is even, you know, so what was the, what, it, it, was, it was the introduction of that. Power of the media, that the enemy is in charge of the airways, let me tell you that. He's in charge, warping and, and uh, uh, our thinking. But anything that's foreign, got to go. Um, how about this? It's another thing that um, polluted the temple. It's a good one, Zephaniah. Zephaniah 3, verse 4. Their prophets are insolent, treacherous people. Their priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the wall. Listen to that. They have polluted because they have done violence to the law, which meant they have maltreated, shaken off, or imagined wrongfully God's laws. And you know what? We can do that ourselves. Don't be, don't be, you know, we can take God's word and actually use it to justify our, our ways instead of taking God's words and actually using it to change our ways. God's word, uh, John Wesley said, and I love this, let the word of God speak to you. If you come with your own perceptions, your own ideas, I can find verses in the, in, in the Bible that will justify sometimes my behavior instead of letting God's word actually tell me, Dave, you need to change that, or that's, that's good, keep going that way, keep on that way. We do violence to the law, and we do that, and we pollute, pollute. That's why, that's why the house of prayer is such a key, because when the house of prayer comes, purity, purity. Why? Because you can't stay in God's presence and stay the same, can you? It's impossible to stay in God's presence. When you're angry with someone, the best thing you can do is begin to pray for them. And you know what? You can't stay angry for too long. Because then you, you begin to say, Lord, they need you. 
they, they might have done some heinous things, but so have we. Um, uh, we may not acted on those thoughts, but let me tell you, our thoughts are enough to really, you know, bury us. Um, but the Lord, the Lord said, pray, pray. Why? Because ultimately, we are the temple of the Lord now. We are the house of the Lord. Remember we last week we told Zacchaeus, I must come and stay in your house, your whole estate. I must come. And what does John say, John 14? Jesus said, if anyone who loves me, who keeps my word, who honors me, me and my father will come and make our home with him. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is it? Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Yeah, there's a great challenge. Of course, again, the context there was they were living as they liked, doing as they wanted, even into immorality, which we think, oh, but you know, that's, that, was their, that was their sin, immorality. And he said, look, you're not your own. How dare you? You were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. Um, and he uses the picture of marriage. And when you stand before the altar, you say, I'm giving myself to that woman forever. Irrespective of who else comes, she's mine and he's, he's mine. Um, and he was saying that, you know, you are your, because more than you, you're pledging, Jesus has bought us. He's bought us with a high price. Wonderful. Ephesians 2. And we are the temple, the habitation Lord. Now, there's, there, there are two words for temple. The one is the whole complex of the temple, and the one is, is, is the very holy of holies. Where, where we understand, if you know the temple layout, was where the Lord, in a sense, dwelt. Ark of the Covenant was there, and the priest, high priest, could only go in there once a year on the, on the Day of Atonement. And he said, that's the Holy of Holies. And anyone who went in there willy-nilly, well, they didn't come back out, did they? In fact, the high priest says he went in there with a rope around his ankle, just in case he wasn't right and he dropped dead in front of the Lord and they tried to drag him out because no one else could go in there. Hey, make sure you're right the night before, wouldn't you? <laughs> Lord, Lord, please. Um, you know what? The Bible says you are the very holy of holies. You are personally, if you know the Lord, we, the body of Christ, are the holy of holies, which, which really grabs our attention. It means, it means purity and, and the power of God in our gatherings. Why? Because we are here. The Holy Spirit of God is indwelling us as the holy of holies. And um, so we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And now when Jesus comes, there's purity. But if you read there, there's now there's a breakout of power. Because he says, uh, the, the blind and the lame comes to him. In, in that chapter 21 we just read, and he begins to heal. See, where the house of prayer is, there's purity. But then there's the breakout of power. God cannot but fail to come in power when there's prayer and purity. And he breaks out in power. What does the Lord say? Um, uh, Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found 
because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. And there's, again, as we keep saying, always read the verses around because they give you insight into what that (coughs) verse is saying. It's no coincidence that he uses Enoch, the first man we read of who walked with God. If you read it back in Genesis 5, 6, 7, 5, 5. He walked with God. And uh, the Lord used him and he prophesied. We can read that in Jude. And, uh, uh, but he walked with God so closely, the Bible says, the Lord took him home. As someone said, he walked so far, God said, you may as well come home with me. And he took him home. Uh, that intimacy, he's talking about intimacy with the Lord. And then he goes to say, look, that's what the Lord longs for. And he said, that God isn't, he rewards that. He loves that. Because you know what? The more we know him, the more we can see how he sees, hear how he hears, and minister God's word. Oh, Lord, help us, help us. There's power then when there's a house of prayer. Hosea 10. So righteousness for yourself. Reap the fruit of unfailing them, and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to shower his righteousness on you. But you have planted wickedness, you have reaped evil, you have eaten the fruit of deception, because you have depended on your own strength and not on your not on your many warriors. See, we are a product of our, our, our choices. Uh, whether we like it or not, and the older we get, the more we realise we are the, the we are the product of, of what we've decided many years ago of, of the of the consequences. Isn't that true? It's true. Um, but you know what? The great thing about it is the Lord says you can change that. He said you have trusted in your own you've trusted in yourself, you, you, you've sown wickedness and you've reaped it all. He said now it's time to seek me. Now it's time to actually break up the fallow ground in your life, root and branch and stone. How do we, how do we plow? Well, come to my, seek me. Seek me. And what happens when we seek the Lord, the Lord gets his plow and begins to dig into our lives. Areas that sometimes have been left fallow for a long time, and he says, "Dave, they, yes, they're coming up today, and uh, it's hard work, something, isn't it? Plowing and sowing and planting. I know as I do any of that anymore. I never did actually. Um, I used to sometimes. I used to cut the grass in the house. Never, never dug the back garden. I think the boys used to do that, dig trenches. I did used to cut the grass now and again. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know that it's it's it's, it's painful. Isn't it amazing? The one year you can take up all those stones in your in your ground, and next year it's the same amount. Next year, where they come from, isn't it? Where do all the stones come? Where do the weeds come from? You don't have to ask the weeds to grow. You don't have to feed weeds, do you? They just automatically come. And in our hearts, in our lives, you know, you've got to make sure you put the effort in in the Lord's presence to make sure there's there's good ground. So there's prayer. And when there's, there's purity, there's power, God begin to heal. And then there's praise. Oh, the children are worshipping and they're getting excited with the Lord. You know where, there's, where the presence of the Lord is? Because there's prayer, there's purity, there's power, and there's praise. Go into a church where there's no praise, and I can tell you, guarantee, there's a little prayer. 
there's little power, there's little purity, because there's no prayer. Where there's, where there's intimacy with the Lord, we want to praise him. I want to shout. I don't feel like it. No, but God is still the same. I don't, I don't want to. I'm going to because God is awesome. God loves me. He, I, that cannot change. I cannot alter. I'm his, I'm his child. Irrespective of, of, of what I've done and how I feel. That's, that's something worth praising him for. Let's read those other couple of verses. Um, Mark 11, 15 to 18. The same as Mark, Matthew 21, but written by different authors. So you get different perspectives. Mark 11. And he did not allow anyone to carry theirs through the temple. Then he taught them, then he taught, saying to them, It is not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the, and the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the temple was astonished at his teaching. See, religion does that. It blinds us even to the truth of God's word. They said they believed God's word, they loved God's word, but even when God, when Jesus used his word, it didn't change them. It didn't alter them. Um, Luke, Luke 19, I think, isn't it? Jesus went into the temple and began to throw out the people who were selling things in him. He said, it is written in the scriptures, my temple will be a house where people will pray, but you have changed it into a hideout for robbers. Jesus taught in the temple every day. The leading priests, the teachers of the law, and some of the leaders of the people wanted to kill Jesus. But all the people were listening closely to him and were interested in all the things he'd said. So the leading priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders did not know how they could kill him. So the house of prayer brings purity, brings power, brings praise. Also brings, i got to stay with a P, brings pliability. What did the Bible say? He taught and they hang on to his words. They love God's word. You see, when we're in, in the presence of God, it brings all those things. Purity, power, praise, purpose, his presence, but also a heart that wants to hear God's voice, wants to hear his teaching, and we are pliable in his hand. And the Bible says, Mark 11 says, they were astonished at what he says. Uh, they, here they say, they hang on every word of his. And you know what? When we love God, when we pick up his word, sometimes we think, oh, but there's always something that jumps out and speaks into our hearts every day. Something confirms or touches us um, and some days it just you see something well wow i haven't seen that before why because we are longing to hear god's voice we hope you've enjoyed this podcast to find out more about our church visit www.oakdalechristiancenter.org